Hey there, welcome back to Podcasting for Educators. If you are planning to launch something this summer, whether that's an online course, a membership, a new TPT bundle, a new service, whatever it is, then this episode is created just for you. Because I have on Melanie Battistelli to talk all about how you can use your podcast as a big part of your runway leading up to your launch. Melanie and I talk about how you can use your podcast as a market research tool to decide what to offer to your audience, what kind of episodes to create and other things to incorporate in your podcast in the weeks leading up to your launch, and how long your launch runway should be. Melanie is a wife, girl mom, former teacher, certified online business manager, and soon-to-be certified course and launch strategist. After leaving the classroom in 2022, Melanie has become passionate about taking her love for learning and educating others by helping course and membership creators launch their programs. Melanie also specializes in hiring freelancers for busy CEOs and streamlining their systems in their business processes. She lives in Northern Virginia with her husband, two girls, and their dog and cat. Be sure to check the show notes for this episode to get Melanie's free launch checklist. And you can find the show notes at podcastingforeducators.com slash episode 88. Let's get to the interview. Your podcast is a powerful tool that serves your audience and your business. But how do you manage it all, bring in new listeners, and convert those listeners into customers? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Podcasting for Educators. I'm Sarah Whitaker, classroom teacher turned podcast manager, and I'm here to help you get the most out of your show, all while making an impact on other educators. All right, we are here with Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that we're sitting down and talking today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. Now, can we start off by you just telling us a little bit about your background in the education space and how you've kind of shifted now into supporting business owners with their business and their launches? Yeah, of course. I was a classroom teacher. I taught high school history uh, at the AP level for about, yeah, this would have been my 12th year, 13th year teaching. So I feel like that really played a role when I started helping out with launch management, just because if you've ever, which, you know, a lot of teachers have at this point taught a course with a large test at the end, like an AP course or any kind of state test, you kind of have to start from the date of that test and plan backwards about all the things that the students need to know. So that is a skill that I was really able to transfer to launch management pretty easily after uh, after I did a few launches, I, I started to see the parallels there. Okay. That is awesome. I love how like we can take our skills as teachers and apply them into the business space. Because I don't know about you, but when I was in the classroom, the thought of doing anything else, like you feel like you're kind of just boxed into being a classroom teacher for the rest of your life. But there really are so many things that we learn during our teaching that can help us in business. Yeah, it seemed impossible, but it, I mean, it seems impossible until you do it, but teachers have so many transferable skills that once you get going, like you start to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I am very excited because today we are going to be talking about summer because I talk a lot on this show about how summer 
if you're in the education space, summer is a really great time to leverage your podcast because we tend to see downloads really increase during the summer. The trend seems to be that you know teachers and other educators are home for the summer. They've got a little bit more mental space to binge your podcast and really learn from you and build a relationship with you. And so there's so many ways that you can use your podcast to really bring in a lot of new people during that time. And I know a lot of you listening, maybe you have a course or a membership or maybe a new bundle that you're working on or something that you are planning to launch during the summer. I know that that's a really popular time to launch your offers. So today, Melanie and I are going to be getting into how you can use your podcast as a launch runway. So I'm really excited to get your perspective because you've really seen a lot in the in the launch space about like what works and what doesn't. And I'm just excited to kind of pick your brain. So let's kind of start at square one here. Whether you already have an offer in mind that you're going to be launching or whether you're still kind of in the decision phase, how can people listening use their podcast as a market research tool to help them decide what they should offer their audience in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've helped a lot of people with various sort of stages of launching, whether people already have a course that's really established and doing really well, you can still use your podcast or guesting on a podcast to help you with that launch. Or if you're thinking about what maybe you want to create a course or a membership and you're not sure which would be the most beneficial to you, of course, like financially, but also like to your audience because you obviously want to help people as well at the end of the day. So the first thing that I would say is start to like actually pay attention to what people are asking you in your DMs, um, your email, your TPT store, but like actually pay attention. I don't just mean like write it on a post-it and like put it on your desk. I mean, if you're using a project management tool, which you should be, but if you're using a project (laughs) management tool, um, like ClickUp or Asana, um, or my, I'm really into Airtable right now for organizing data. Like I use Asana personally, but to kind of have data organized and displayed and categorized, I actually treated myself to uh, to Airtable recently. So that would be like my recommendation. I've heard um, a lot of people say that recently, like how they have their kind of like you said, you use Asana in addition mm-hmm. to Airtable. I've heard a lot of people say that. So I need to check out Airtable. Yeah, I, I can totally show you that. I, I use it for like organizing data because it's even better sorting than Google Forms. It's like easier to like visually see. So if you had to pick one, Airtable also has a free option, but I, and I swear I'm not an affiliate for Airtable or anything, but (laughs) they, uh, they do have a free option too, but really actually like pay attention to what your audience is saying. So copy and paste their exact language into somewhere that you can see it, store it and like use it. Because that'll kind of help you to see over time what people are asking you about. And you'll be able to see what they're struggling with, what teachers are struggling with. And you'll also be able to hopefully see what their goals are and what they actually want to achieve. So pay attention to what people are asking you, but like really pay attention and actually organize that information. Don't just 
like make a mental note because we all know how mental notes work out. They <laughs> disappear. Yes. Oh my God. Eventually. I know I've been guilty of that. You like you yeah. put something on Instagram, you put your question sticker up, people answer, you get all this great information and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to remember this for when it comes time to sit down and plan out whatever I'm creating. And then that time comes and you're like, oh, I probably should have put this somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you will not. Um, And that is a great thing that like if you have a virtual assistant, like you don't need to do that. Like they can do that for you if they have access to your Instagram, your email, your TPT store. You know, a lot of people have virtual assistants that have access to that. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then if you have your own podcast, like and an email list, actually ask your audience what they want to hear from you. So you can ask questions like, what are they struggling with? What is the biggest challenge in their classroom? If you already have an idea for a course and you maybe want to see if it's a you know, a good idea, something that's going to be a good fit with your audience, steer them in that direction and see what kind of response you get. Like, what is your biggest struggle with classroom management, for example? And if nobody answers (laughs) um, or very, very few people answer, then you might, you know, want to rethink, is this something that like my audience actually wants to see from me? And then I guess one final tip that I would have If you already have a course or a membership that you've launched, but maybe you're not happy with the results um, or didn't do so well, I would suggest doing a little bit of competitor research. So actually looking at other people's courses, memberships who are offering something similar and seeing like, are your price points similar? You don't have to match theirs, but if you're charging four times as much, for what appears to be to the consumer, a very, very similar membership or course, like that could be a reason why it's not selling. And then also just kind of looking at across the market, like what are some things that maybe other people are offering in their course or membership that you're not? And like, where can you close those gaps? Like maybe they offer live support or live coaching and you don't, but maybe that's something you feel like you have the capacity to do. So It's not about like copying what other people are doing, but just seeing if you can see the gaps um, and fill in any of those gaps. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And I think it's something that a lot of us forget to do or just kind of skip over is that market research piece. And you mentioned like, yeah, looking at the prices of things because that can be kind of... I think we get really like personal about things that we're creating and launching. And I mean, for good reason, but... If you have this really high price point in mind and you're seeing that like your direct competitors who you know that your audience knows about are are way less, then yeah, it might be time to kind of like reevaluate things or be able to present it in a different way that really shows off the value that you're providing. And you also mentioned something that I thought was a really important point about when you're documenting these responses that you get from people and these questions that you get from people, not just like taking that note, but also making sure that you're using that exact language, like literally copying and pasting. I found that to be really helpful for me when I launched my first course, because when it came time to write the sales page, I used that exact language and it made, it just made the whole process like so much easier. For sure. Because you want people to feel like in a non-creepy way as possible, that you're like (laughs) inside their head. And a lot of 
Yeah. And a lot of people like miss the mark on that because they're making a mental note of like what people said, but like, they're not actually really writing down. Like I just did some recently for like for myself for thinking about like what people say when they go to launch a course and the word overwhelmed came up probably eight to 10 times. Yeah. So like if I ever, you know, launch my own course, I will use the word overwhelmed because that (laughs) seems to be a common theme when people, you know, start from scratch at least. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I did, um, uh, last month I did a podcast listener survey and one of my questions on the survey was, if I could dream up a helpful resource for you, what would it be? And that was, it was great because I got such great responses and I, I picked a few of those and then I put on my Instagram, like, which of these would you like as a new freebie that mm-hmm. I, that I'm going to be creating for you? And I got like so many messages from people like, oh my gosh, I like can't choose. These are all like things that I'm looking for. And I'm like, exactly. Because you told me these things. <laughs> yes. You just don't remember that you told me these things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I love it. Okay. So if you've got an idea of what you want to create and you feel really confident that it is something that your audience needs and wants, how can we then use our podcast as part of a launch runway? And can we even back up a little bit actually? And can you kind of like tell us for anybody who might not be familiar with that term launch runway, like what is that and what kinds of things does that typically include? And then we can talk about how we can use our podcast for it. So once I feel like once you start understanding like the concept of a launch runway, you accidentally start seeing them like everywhere. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like everyone, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, but I I generally, generally spend most of my time on Instagram. Who's thinking about like launching something eventually or putting an offer out into the world. You can kind of tell when they start (laughs) to, you know, ramp up and talk about whatever topic, but usually you want your launch runway in a perfect, perfect world, I guess you would want it to be about 12 weeks. It can be less. I mean, it it can be eight weeks. It can be six weeks. It can be four weeks. It can be any amount of time. But generally, I guess the more time, the better because you want to start to make sure that your audience is seeing you as an expert in whatever you're talking about. And that takes, you know, that can take some time. But and it feels exhausting, right? And I talked to some of my launch clients about this, like, oh my God, I really have to go on my stories again and talk about behavior management. Yes, you do. Because (laughs) you want to be the person who, when your audience thinks of like, oh man, I need help with, you know, my student behavior. Oh, right. So-and-so was always talking about behavior. I bet they have something. And oftentimes it takes, you know, statistics, statistics say that it takes seven to 10 times of hearing somebody say something before they actually like remember it and take action. So, so that's kind of like the first part of the launch runway is just, it's less, it's less formal, but it's you talking about whatever topic from that you want to make your course, your offer about from all sorts of, of angles. I generally call that the pre pre <laughs> launch runway because it's when you're kind of establishing yourself as an expert. So your podcast episodes could be something like 
misconceptions about whatever topic you're talking about. So I'm just going to stay with behavior management in a classroom. I just launched a course on that. I didn't, but I helped somebody launch a course on that (laughs) recently. Um, So misconceptions about student behavior in the classroom. Quick wins to help you get better results from your student behavior in the classroom. Maybe how to stop this problem behavior with this simple trick. So you want to provide lots of different sort of ways that you can approach this particular topic, like a personal story about how you're currently in the classroom or used to be in the classroom. And this is why you really got into talking about behavior. So the pre-pre-launch runway should, in terms of like podcasting, be all about like your particular topic that you want to launch your course or offer on from different angles. And this is also the time that you could probably look into trying to sort of strategically guest on other people's podcasts who maybe don't offer the exact same thing as you, but could be something complimentary to get more people into your world. Yeah, I love that idea. And I think that like specifically podcast guesting really ties into why it's so important to make sure that you are giving yourself, you know, 12 weeks ideally leading up to your launch. Because if you are going to have a strategy like podcast guesting as part of your launch runway, you don't know when your episode's going to air. So you really do have to think and plan backwards because if you're going to be reaching out to a podcast host, you might do an interview in March, but they might not air it until May or June. So really thinking ahead is so important. Um, So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I like the idea of having that 12-week runway. What Do you ever work with people who absolutely refuse to get on Instagram stories or like show their face in any way? Like, yeah, I do. I do actually. (laughs) So I have a client right now who is launching her first course in June and she doesn't have Instagram. Oh, and I, yeah, that's, that's what I said (laughs) on our discovery call. Oh, interesting. Oh my gosh. I'm a little bit scared and I am, I'm a little bit scared because I've never, I've never launched somebody with somebody who has basically refused to go on social media. Mm. She is pretty well known in this space and she does have an email list of about 12,000 people. So that's, I mean, yeah, really helpful. Like email list is really your biggest moneymaker generally time and time again. An engaged email list is, well, I don't want to say Trump social media, but like if she didn't have an email list and wouldn't get on social media, then I don't think we'd be working Then we'd together. have some problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, she doesn't have an Instagram. She's a Facebook page, but like she never wants to show her face. She also does not want to do, um, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the actual launch, because there's a couple different like strategies you can choose. Uh, but she doesn't want to go live for any part of that either, like refuses. So check back with me in July. <laughs> I'll let you know how it went. I expressed my concern, but um, she still will not go live. So we'll see how that goes. It's an experiment that I'm unwillingly doing, but I will do it. She does have a great course, but I am a little nervous about her not being willing to show up. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm I will be checking back in with you. So yeah. stay tuned for that. But I mean, I will say, like, now that there are some other mediums, like I I know I work with people who they don't get on social media very much. They have social media, but they don't really get on their Instagram stories, but they have their podcast. And that is mm-hmm. a trust builder. And that's if you and that's an, talking about time like we were before, that's another reason why, you know, I have I have people that have come to me and said, I want to start my podcast like tomorrow because I have a course that I'm launching in a month or two months. And I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) ideally, we would have started your podcast six months ago because you do need that. You need that lead up time. You need that time to build trust with your audience, especially if you're not on places like social media. So I think there are like ways where you can show up in different places. Like everybody has their preferences, but giving yourself that time is just something that that continues to pop up as something that's really important. Yes, definitely. I mean, some people like hard numbers. Uh, like I would not work with a client until their email list, for example, had at least 250 people on it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, whether or not you just you, don't have anyone yeah. to sell to. Yeah. Right. You can't launch to, I mean, you could, but I would not recommend launching to an audience of absolutely zero. So yeah, like six months ahead for a podcast, if you want to launch a course in six months, I mean, that's that's great. This year, I had people come to me really, really early. Like mm-hmm. I booked three summer launches in uh, like this summer in 2022, which is kind of crazy. Like, wow. but you know, yeah. te- some teachers really, there's two types of like teacherpreneurs, I feel like really plan totally. ahead or like, can we do this tomorrow? Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, it's nice to have that that time. Okay, so yeah. let's get into like the strategy of things. What would what are some of those strategies and tips of what we should be focusing on leading up to the launch? Sure. Yeah, so we talked about um for the pre-pre-launch, right? That's where you're establishing authority and building trust with your audience. And I mean, ideally, if you like, so let's just say, for example, if you're wanting to launch a podcast six months before you launch your course, I mean, that's great. That's a great timeline because then you can spend, you know, the first three to four months really starting to build that trust with nurturing your audience, providing them wins, tips, examples, your personal story, and getting to know them. As we get closer to the time that you would want to launch, your actual course or membership, that's where I kind of, my names aren't exciting, but I would like to call it instead of the pre-pre-launch, I would just call it the pre-launch phase. Often name yeah. these things better, but it's all hey, I have Hey, at for least now. it's clear. I, I yeah. like simple <laughs> and clear to the point. Well, good. It's simple <laughs> and clear. Yes. So about four to six weeks out is where I would start to kind of structure your episodes to talk about the actual launch catalyst or the training that you want to do. So there's a couple different ways that you've probably seen people launch their courses. A lot of times with live webinars, right? Where, you know, you can sign up for a time and show up um, and then, you know, announce your course at the end of that. You could also do a video series, which is basically a live webinar, but broken up into three to five days that you kind of leak out the videos 10 to 12 minutes, basically at a time. And you could do that via email, or you could ramp it up a little bit if you wanted to create like a pop-up Facebook group 
mm. and kind of funnel people into that for like engagement, community, still building that like no trust um, factor. So during your podcast at that time, that four to six weeks, when you're trying to kind of fill up either your live training or fill up your Facebook group and you're inviting people to like get ready to come to your training, um, whatever you know strategy that you choose to do, this is where you can start kind of talking about it a little bit more um, in your podcast, like the benefits specifically of what your training is going to be and actually have, you know, the call to action be like inviting them to join the group, your email list, sign up for your training. You could talk about your like why more specifically you created this exact, you know, training, like what prompted you to do this. You could invite, and this I've seen like firsthand be pretty powerful, invite former students or people who've gone through a training of yours before for like a guest interview. This is also, if you were thinking of doing like a private podcast as a lead magnet, this is where I would introduce that about four to six weeks out and have that, you know, recorded and you could invite people to, you know, basically subscribe to your, to your private podcast, which I've seen actually, I feel like they're becoming more and more popular and it's a, it's a great lead magnet. I mean, I've, I've signed up for a couple of them myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely wonderful and they seem to do really, really well. I've done one before that funneled into a mini course that I have mm-hmm. and it did really well. I, I think the appeal is, well, first of all, I feel like I've kind of seen this shift this year because traditionally a webinar is what we see most people do. And a lot of them are still extremely successful. But I feel like there's this shift of people wanting to find another option besides a webinar, specifically for people who might not want to be on video live like we were talking about before. So a private podcast, I feel like is just such a great option. If that is you, you really want to be able to do something that's kind of pre-recorded, but still offering a lot of value, still building trust Mm -hmm. with people, an email list builder. So I think that's a really great option for people. Now, so you mentioned having that like training of some sort before doors open to whatever it is that you're launching. Do you also recommend having like prior to that, having another kind of like new lead magnet, like something like a PDF before that or not so much? I think it just depends. So here's like what I always tell my clients and like also myself. Every launch is basically a test and an experiment. So I I don't want to give like a hard and fast answer. Like, yes, you need to create a brand new lead magnet before every launch. You don't. I would make sure that you have at least one that is directly related to your course though. Mm. And then just really, again, kind of like the market research, pay attention to the data. Like if you're running Facebook ads, for example, make two different opt-in forms, one that's organic traffic, people who are coming to you from Instagram and your podcast, and make another one for Facebook ads. Because if your Facebook ads are not performing well, then stop spending money on the lead magnet. (laughs) If your organic, if your organic traffic's great, like you might as well not, you know, waste the money on Facebook ads. So it's also really just paying attention to how everything is going, but not again, not just like making a mental note, like literally writing it down in a spreadsheet or in Asana or click, you know, somewhere um, that you can go back and refer to it. So 
because you're not launching every month, right? It's usually three to six months to a year in between launches. So you're not going to remember right, with great detail, like what did well the previous time. So I think as long as you're keeping track of what's doing well, then you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel each time. But something that I have seen um, with a client that I've that I've launched with four times, she's in the the TPT space. We have tried uh, to change up her launch type based on the time of year because, like you were mentioning mm-hmm. earlier, in the summer, teachers have more time, more you know mental space capacity, so we tend to do webinar launches. We did a challenge launch in October where we leaked out a video series and she recorded her webinar and broke it up into 10 minute videos. So, you know, busy teachers could watch or listen to the 10 minute videos on the way, you know, to and from school rather than having to carve out an hour, an hour and a half for a webinar. So you also just, I guess, have to think about like your audience. And I mean, a lot of us were former classroom teachers, right? Like you remember, you don't just have an hour and a half to hang out in the middle of (laughs) the day in October. You gotta, you gotta make it like fit your audience. So that's where, again, like a private podcast, I haven't, I haven't tried that like with a client yet as a lead magnet. Um, I'm not working with anyone right now that does have a podcast, but I mean, I think that could be super, super successful, especially during the school year for teachers. Yeah. That's such a good point is to think about the time of year that you are launching. And I mean, if you're somebody who's listening and you're getting ready to do like your first launch, it is an experiment, like Melanie said, and you have to have, you know, do it, figure out how you want to do it, launch, make sure that you're recording that data so that you have something, you have that benchmark that you can compare your next launch to. And if things are working, then keep doing it. But Mm -hmm. if, if they're not working anymore, then you might need to switch things up. I know I've talked to some people who and worked with some people who, you know, before they started their podcast, they would run a lot of Facebook ads uh, leading up to a launch. And then they would experiment once they had their podcast for some time. Their next launch, they didn't do Facebook ads and they just Mm. used their podcast and they had the same results. So they're like, okay, well, if I can if I can have the same results without running ads, then that's great. But then another person, they might need those Facebook ads. So it really is dependent on you, on your audience, on what you're offering. And it is all an experiment. So love it. Yeah. And I think I think that's hard for a lot of teachers who are or ex, you know, teachers who are very much like, just tell me what to do. Just tell yes. me the steps to take and like make it work. I wish I could. But like yes. every, everybody's audience is different and every person is different. And if you've launched, like I'm working with somebody now who launched, hasn't launched in a year and a half and her course has been on Evergreen and she wants to try a live launch again this summer, but she has, she wrote absolutely nothing down the first two times mm. she live launched and she can't remember. I mean, it's not her fault. She just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely. But she has no idea what she, what she did. You know, she kind of remembers. She thinks she did a webinar, but like there's no evidence of that. So <laughs> that'll be it. Check back with me again in July or August about, about how that one goes. But yeah, each each thing's an experiment and, and it's you can follow a method as best as you can, but 
you're still an individual and your audience is still a collection of individuals. So what works for one person might not necessarily work for everybody else. Yes. And I just, I really like, I could not agree with that more. And like, I have people who come to me who I'm not working with, maybe we're just doing like a strategy call or something, or they message me on Instagram and say like, I have this many downloads. Is that good? And I'm like, that is not a question that I can just give you a yes or no (laughs) to. Like, there's so much that goes into that. Like, I would really need to look and see like, what, what is your data month to month? How many people are on your email list? Are you getting an ROI from your show? Like there's so much that goes into questions like that. And that's, Mm -hmm. it's just proof that yes, like you said, you can have kind of like this framework that you follow, which is so helpful for all of us. We need, we need a little bit of direction with something like a launch, especially when it's the first time, but you do have to, you just kind of have to see how it goes and then be willing to tweak things and try again and continue that process. Yes, exactly. Well, is there anything else that we haven't gotten to in terms of using your podcast as a launch runway that you wanted to touch on? Um, The last thing I think that I would say is when you are, so we talked about the pre-pre-launch and then we talked about the pre-launch when you're you know, trying to get people into whatever method or strategy you're using to launch your course or your membership. I would also just be super specific because usually if you're have kind of an open and close cart period, meaning like people can only enroll in your course generally for, I guess the industry standard is somewhere between seven and 14 days, usually 10 days being kind of the middle, mm-hmm. really like strategically plan what podcast episode is going to come out during your cart open period. Yes. Whatever you can get that is the most powerful, generally, it probably would be a former student. Hmm. Like think of your shining star student. If you have a, if you have a, <laughs> a former launch, see if you can incentivize them in some way. And they might just do it, you know, because they probably love you if they're yeah. your star student. And, you know, who doesn't, you know, being asked to be on someone's podcast is generally like, oh my gosh. Yes. So uh, I would try and get them to come on for an interview and really have them speak to the transformation, what their life was like before your course or membership and all the ways that it has improved after. Because social proof um, is something that you can't make up, fake, or really replicate, especially when it's coming directly from you know, someone who's experienced it, it's, it's much more powerful hearing it than like even seeing it on a sales page with like somebody who you don't know his picture, like hearing them Mm. talk about it. So that would be like, I guess my top recommendation, if you can schedule an interview with your star, star student for (laughs) uh, your cart open period. And if you've never launched before, then, you know, you might not have a star student, (laughs) But I would then, if if you don't have anyone to like pull from to ask to interview, I would try and focus on, you know, actually I'm changing my answer as I'm speaking. I would see how the lead up part to your launch is going and see what kind of objections you're getting. Hmm. Like it's too much money. I don't have enough time. Like see what people are saying who are in your kind of launch space and then if you've if you've got the time and the bandwidth, take the time and record 
as close as you can an episode of addressing like objections that you're seeing. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah, I love that. So when you're planning things out, leave that white space for that Mm -hmm. kind of like last minute episode that you could sit down and record to handle the objections. That's a great piece of advice. Perfect. Well, I feel like you've given us so many good things to think about and ways that we can really sit down and like intentionally plan out our launch. And by the time that this episode comes out, you all have a good amount of time to really make sure that you're planning out your podcast episodes in a super intentional way. One one question I meant to ask you before, mm-hmm. do you recommend that people do a wait list before like leading up to their launch? So I've heard mixed reviews on this. Um, personally, I always have my clients do a wait list mm-hmm. just because, especially if it's new, it's nice to see the kind of traction that it's getting. Yeah. I would also recommend though, like when you're doing the wait list, again, I'm going to say, keep track of the data. If you can see the actual, whether, you know, you throw it up in Flowdesk, ConvertKit, WordPress, like wherever you're putting it up, make sure that you're tracking what you're doing. So you're tracking, for example, you want to make sure that you can track the page views, like how many people are landing on the wait list and looking at it. And then how many people are actually like opting in each day. And those numbers, when you divide the number of people opting in each day divided by the views, will give you the conversion. And if you're using Facebook ads again, make sure that it's two separate so you can separate your organic traffic from your your paid traffic. Because then you can make adjustments, right? I, we're, I'm actually doing this right now with, with a client and it started off really well. She was converting, sent an email first day the wait list was open, sent an email to her list. It converted at 50 or 55%. Wow. So we were like, woohoo, right? Yeah. Like, That's great. People want this. People want this. So, you know, also then make a little note, like send email to list this day. So you yeah. don't just look back in six months and you're like, <laughs> wow, people loved it. I wonder why. Like there's a reason. Yes. But you know, it has, it has teetered off over the last week. So Yesterday, I went into her waitlist and I changed the headline. Mm. So we're going to give it a couple days and see because it was like 50 and then it like dropped down as low as 10%. And I was like, well, it's not good. So um, I'm going to see if the if the headline, you know, made made is going to make a difference over the next couple days. But I guess the other thing I would say, I'm off on a tangent now, but the other thing I would say is when you go to change something, try to just change one thing at a time. Mm. That's such good advice. And then yes. Give it and then give it 24 to 48 hours. I would yes. say 48 hours because if you change the headline and the copy and like the picture, like well what worked? Yeah. Yes. That's so true. And so. I think sometimes I'm sure people like if they see that it's not working that might be their first reaction is like, "Oh my gosh, I have to change everything." But yeah, doing one thing at a time. I love that. Mhm. Yeah. So anyway, to a wait list, I would personally say yes, that yeah. it's a good it's a good measure to kind of test the waters um, and see what people are thinking. I mean, I'm not worried because like I said, initially, 50% of the people who clicked and looked at the wait list joined. So I mean, that's a good number, but yeah, we'd like to we'd like to <laughs> keep that up. But it's yeah, it's a it's a good kind of temperature taking of the audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I I love using waitlist personally because I also feel like it's just like that validation to you of like, okay, <laughs> this yeah. is I, I am on the right track. This is good. <laughs> right. Agreed. Okay, perfect. Well, I just have a couple of kind of just for fun questions that I ask yeah. my guests if you are ready. So I'm number ready. one is if you could interview a favorite childhood star just for fun, who would it be? So I was a huge Dawson's Creek fan. Oh, yes. Growing up, in my personal humble opinion, better than One Tree Hill. Oh, I say I know it's a (laughs) it's a dividing statement. It's dividing statement. Oh, I I think I'm Team One Tree Hill. I know. I mean, I I like them both, but um, (laughs) I feel like I would love to talk to Katie Holmes, just like for a lot of reasons, for just so many reasons. But that's who I would talk to. Oh, that's a really good one. My husband is actually obsessed with both of those shows. Oh, okay. <laughs> like he's I like recently, recently rewatched them and he watched them growing up too, which I just love. So those are, that's a good choice. I like it. Thanks. All right. And then do you have any favorite podcasts that you're listening to and loving right now for business or for fun? Um. So actually I think you and I just talked about this the other day, but I have been listening to for a little bit, um, systemize your life with Chelsea yeah. Joe Moore. Yeah. And I also really like Megan Sumrall's who I cannot think of what the actual podcast is called right now, but her name is Megan Sumrall. Okay. It's about productivity and like work-life harmony. She doesn't use the word balance, which oh, I, like that. I like a lot. Yeah. Really into her. And I haven't listened. I haven't listened to any podcast for fun in quite I feel some that. time. <laughs> but I did used to be like a big crime junkies fan, like before kids. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's an answer you get all the time. But I'm I'm one of those big crime junkies fan before kids. But you can't really listen to that like with kids nearby. I so. know. Well, I I also am a fan, but I really only listen to those now when I'm on a road trip. And mm-hmm. so my husband and I will like will have Adeline plug in her headphones and like watch her own thing <laughs> so that we yeah. can still listen to it. Yeah. yeah. We used to listen to that those on road trips too, like cereal. Oh, um yeah. yeah, I listened to all that stuff pre pre-children. So good. Yes, I know. Everything changes when you have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Melanie, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing all of your launch expertise with us. It's been really great. Yeah, thanks. It has been super fun chatting with you. All right, Melanie. And before we head out, can you just let everybody know where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. I mostly hang out on Instagram. You can find me over at uh, Duxbury Digital. And if you would love to grab my launch checklist, if you are thinking about launching a course this summer, I think Sarah will link it in the show notes, but you can also find it at bit.ly slash launch freebie. Perfect. Yes, we will put all of that in the show notes and in the episode description for this episode. So you can just easily click on it and grab it because that sounds like it would be a really helpful resource. Thank you again. Thank you. Before we sign off, let's check out this week's shout out. Each week, I'm sharing a voice message from a fellow podcaster, and they could be your next podcast guest. After listening, if you'd like to collaborate with them, you can reach out using the information in the show notes from today's episode. 
If you're interested in being featured, head to podcastingforeducators.com slash voice. Happy collaborating. Hey, my name is Katie from Katie Couples Teaching. And while I don't have a podcast yet, I love guesting and getting to chat with other amazing educators on their shows. I am a former second grade teacher and K-5 instructional coach, and I help elementary teachers amplify their impact on students' lives by building compassionate classroom communities that bring joy into daily teaching and learning. If you're looking for a guest to come on to your show, I'd love to talk about how teachers can sustainably build classroom community all year long or how they can integrate social emotional learning into the school day. You can reach me on Instagram at Katie Couples Teaching and grab my info and Sarah's show notes. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at Podcasting for Educators. I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about podcasting. If you're looking for support in launching, managing, or growing your podcast, check out my online course, the Podcasting for Educators Prep School at podcastingforeducators.com slash prep school. I'll see you here next time.